The following message is the word of God for you from the annual conference of the household of David Church, themed Great Grace. Be blessed. This evening, as we start this conference, this annual conference, Great Grace, there are different kinds of graces. In life, there are as, as we look at the scriptures, there are four major graces. I won't be able to go into all that, but there is one in particular that I want to zero on tonight, and it is called sovereign grace. What is sovereign grace? When the superior leans in the direction of the inferior. Sovereign grace is not because of you, but in spite of you. And that's what the Lord has laid on my heart to look at tonight as we consider great grace. And I'm going to be picking on a particular man. He's my favorite in the scriptures. I've preached so many messages, you know, using his life. And his name is David. We're going to have a fantastic journey tonight in the name of Jesus. Um, in my village, there is something they say. I'll try to do a transliteration. Um, they say, Kirakita Udola. It's not everybody that is struggling that prospers. And if you look at life, truly, masons, bricklayers, people that serve them, laborers, they are not as wealthy as people that just come into their offices in the morning and while they are coming in, somebody is opening the door, somebody is switching on the AC and say, good morning, sir. You're welcome, sir. You're welcome. They don't work as hard. So it's not because you know how to work. There is something that simplifies life, and it is called the grace of God. When God decides to lean in your direction, in spite of who you are, in spite of your mistakes, sometimes you call it the favor of God. Sometimes you call it the unusual kindness of God. Sometimes you call it the mercy of God. My husband was speaking, you know, in church, and it, it defined favor for us, which is also a synonym of grace. And he said, to be favored means to be served first, even though it won't go around. May that be your experience. It is obvious that this thing will not go around. But he just decides to serve you first. Oh, Wally, you're here. Forgive me. God bless you. And go okay. I define it, this grace we are talking about, as the impartial partiality of God. God is so mighty, he's the sovereign one. So you cannot query him, you cannot question him and say, what dwells thou? God can decide to lean in your direction. Your life becomes a question that nobody can answer. You become a mystery to yourself when the superior leans in the direction of the inferior. That is grace. That is favor. And may that be your experience in the name of Jesus. Amen. When I was born 55 years ago, people gathered to cry for my father. A girl, what will she become? When grace stepped into my life, my father says to me, you are better than seven sons. That is what grace can do. The impartial partiality of God. God closes his eyes and then he chooses you. He opens it and he realizes it is you he chose. He says, wow, and you are the weakest of all. You are even the dirtiest of all. You don't even know how to do nothing. But because I am a man and I cannot lie, Numbers 23, 19, since I have chosen you, I have cuckoo chosen you, what will I do? Let me repackage you. 
That's grace. Grace is not definition, it is experience. And there are no people that know how to preach. They move from this to this, they do this and that, and yet you look at their lives, there's nothing to write home about. I've experienced the grace of God, though. I cannot deceive you. If I say otherwise, I'll be lying under the anointing of the devil. Recently, I looked at my mates and I couldn't find my mates among my mates. The grace of God simplifies life. May that grace simplify your life. In the confines of the time that I have tonight, let's go on this journey because I want to speak to you using David's life. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) David tops the list in the Bible. The first time I went to Israel was 1996, 1995, and that was when Israel was celebrating the 3,000 year that David declared Jerusalem as the capital city. A man that died over 3,000 years ago, and yet he's speaking. He should be studied. You get to Israel today, one of the places, one of my favorite, in fact, my favorite place, is David's tomb. Some of you have been there before. You go there this time around, it is purple velvet. You go there, it is green velvet. The next time, it is gold. You can tell that a king lies there. You see on the wall, you see crown, you see violin, you see harp. And then you look at where Saul died, Mount Gilboa. That's the only mountain where there's no grass. Courtesy of David. Tell it not in God. Publish it on the street of Ashkelon. Let there be no dew nor rain upon you. First Samuel chapter 1, you know, chapter 30. Courtesy of David. You, could, you can say that a king lies here. This David like we are talking about. Excuse me. Was he perfect? Let me tell you a little story about David. Bible scholars have proved to us that there are eight major reasons why David shouldn't even have been king. But God does not consult your past to determine your future. Does not matter what you say about me. When God chooses, he chooses. David said, and God liked me. I preached a message sometimes in our church. The title looked like a heresy. What was the title of the message? The weakness of God. So everybody that day, maybe they were going to stone me. God has a weakness. You know God's weakness? Once he likes you, he likes you. If you know how to service that relationship, your own is better. From, and it's going to be perpetual. From generation to generation. God is a loyal God. That's his weakness. He said, I found no iniquity in Jacob. Which Jacob? Excuse me, Papa God. Which Jacob? Pastor Jacob that was sinning from his mother's womb. God said, I closed my eyes when it was happening. May God like you. Eight major reasons why David should not even be the king of Israel. They say his mother was not married to his father. And if you look at it very well, he wasn't even reckoned with. Because he was in the bush the day Samuel came. And don't forget that in 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning from verse 35, 36, 37, David said, the God that delivered me from the hand of the lion and the bear. That means that that young boy at 17 was in the thick, thick forest 
where lions could be found and bears. Meaning they wanted him to die. It wasn't a normal bush. It wasn't a normal forest. He said the lion came and I saw it. The bear came. You don't find lions just anywhere. So nobody expected any good thing to come from him. Beloved, hear me. Your background does not mean your back should be on the ground. When God likes you, he likes you. It doesn't matter who hates you. Eventually, when this David became the king, I'll just give you a background story. And then I'll tell you just one thing that I noticed. And I'll use it to pray for you tonight. And that one thing, I'm going to break it into ten places. If I don't have the time, when I'm number two or three, it's fine. I'll come again. <laughs> Thank you. When David eventually became the king, one day, David had become so comfortable or too comfortable in the armchair of success, he forgot to continually service the grace. Because success is more difficult to manage than failure. There are people today that the reason why God has not lifted them beyond where they are is because God knows that if he lifts them, he will lose them. Because just a little lift, even the almighty God tiptoes around them. When they are praying, God can't hear. And God is asking the archangel, what did he just say? Because he just returned from abroad. Where did he go? Cameroon. So even God. Nobody can talk to them again. They'll call their pastor. Can you come to the house? So pick a check for um, 17,000 naira. 17. He's not even up to half. He's not even up to one over whatever of my offering. 17,000. That's the reason why nobody can talk to you again. So God looks at them. Success is he's a wild animal. If you don't know how to tame it, it can tear you. Success. David had become the king. He had forgotten how he got there. So he relaxed. And he was enjoying himself. Everybody went to the battlefield. Joab went to the battlefield. David was there. And while he sat there, one day it occurred to him to just roam. And while he was roaming, the devil set up a very beautiful lady. And he saw, I didn't take off his hand. It wasn't a sin for him sin. But looking the second time, make him commit the sin of lucre. <laughs> you know the story, so he sent for Bathsheba. Slept with Bathsheba. And eventually sent for the husband, the legal husband. Uriah came. David did everything he could do so the man could go and top up. But the man in 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 11, even in his drunken state, said to David, Excuse me, sir. I'm a, I'm a proper Hittite, but I have mingled with the Jews so much. In case you have lost your own sense of morals. King, even in this drunken state, 2 Samuel 11, 11, my Lord Joab, Israel, Judah, abide in tents. How shall I go to my house 
and sleep with my wife. And because he took a stand for righteousness, yes, is there. Because he took a stand for righteousness, David set him up to kill him. And after David killed him, the man carried the bomb letter. David finished him. The Bible says the last verse of that Second Samuel 11, where the thing displeased the Lord. The woman got pregnant, came back to the palace, blah, blah, blah. She had a baby and God made sure that that baby died. But hear me, this is where I'm going. I'm talking about great grace. And I'm using David's life and I'm giving you a background gist before we look at some things in his life. The same woman in 2 Samuel chapter 12, the Bible makes, the Bible tells us that and David knew Bathsheba, his wife. Up until that time, it was Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. But when grace stepped in, Bathsheba, his wife, and that woman conceived and bore a son. And the Lord made a first class prophet to stand up, to go to David and tell him, I love that boy. His name shall be called Jedidah. The impartial partiality of God. You try it, you are finished. God just likes him. And that's the same way I'm feeling about you tonight. It doesn't matter who does not like you. God likes you. And when God graces a person's life, many things he puts in that life. He puts wealth. He puts property. Psalm 112. Wealth and riches shall be in his house. <laughs> his children shall be mighty upon the face of the earth. His seed can't suffer. He puts all sorts of things. But one major thing that God puts in your life when he graces you, and that's an evidence of great grace, is help. And that's what I'm speaking about tonight. Help from God is an expression of great grace. Life has been designed in such a way that you cannot live all by yourself. You are a free being, but you are not an independent being. From the cradle to the grave, you need people. From the womb to the tomb, you need people. When you were going to be born, it took people. When you die and you have to be buried, it will take people. You need people. And this is one major thing I saw in David's life. I saw about 10 or 11 kinds of help that David received. And I'm going to be using this to pray for you as we look at great grace. When we talk about great grace, don't begin to think it's one encyclopedia. We'll come and be telling you the book of this, the book of that. I want to practicalize it. How can you experience it? What will you see in your life that will make you know that you have been greatly graced? The help of God that is transmitted through the help of men. May you not lack it. Yeah. Amen. It's not an encouragement to the preacher. Amen is the acceptance of a divine verdict. May you not lack help. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. One day the Lord said to me, there is no great man anywhere, only helped people. It's true. The reason why some people are stranded today is because they lack help. It's because they lack help. Or sometimes the devil makes their helpers to be angry with them. Or the devil makes the people that will have helped them to forget them. 
It was Mordecai that reported the insurrection. It was Haman that was promoted. And there are people like that. They labor and labor and labor at work. But it's another person that is receiving the promotion. That's why God brought me here. It is ending tonight. Because your head shall be lifted in the name of Jesus. Let's look at a few people that were in David's life that made him to be an expression of great grace. Number one is Prophet Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, I'll try and run. 1 Samuel chapter 16, from verse number 1, God said to Samuel, Stop crying. How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite. For I have provided me a king among his sons. We all need a prophet in our life. We all need a Samuel in our life. We do. Now, don't join anybody on the internet speaking rubbish against prophets of God. Because when the judgment comes, <laughs> do not. That is God's way of doing his things. And you cannot query him and say, what are you doing? That's God. He's done that for ages. When were you born? And he gave some. Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 11. He gave some, not all apostles. Some prophets. Some evangelists. Some teachers. If you are not among the some, don't put yourself there. If somebody comes around and tells you not to pay tithe, and you look at the God that told you to pay tithe, put the two of them on a scale, and let's see who weighs. The person that told you to stop paying tithe, what value has he added to your life? When you were sick at the hospital, was he the one that came to pray for you? What good has that person done? Look at his life, self. Do you want your life to be like his own? So who will you obey? Just you this day. You don't even need any message at all. You don't. We all need a Samuel in our lives. Every Mary needs an Elizabeth. Someone that knows what it means to be pregnant. Someone that knows what it means to carry a vision. Someone that understands the mind of God. A collaborator. Someone that is not jealous of you or envious of you. Someone that can protect you and protect your interests. The reason why some people have not gone faster and further than where they are is because of this. They lack a spiritual covering. Your pastor is not your mate. Maybe age mates, but we are not great mates. You can see your pastor and say hi and expect to be high in life. There are people that step into your life and the storms of life just stop. It's not their fault. That's the way God has arranged it. When Obama was going to contest as a president of America, one of the Kennedys had brain tumor. He left the hospital bed in pain to come and campaign for Obama. What are you telling me? There are people that must be in your life. There are people that because of them, certain things can't happen to you. God says, how can I allow Lot to be destroyed? How will I look at Abraham? No. God is a covenant conscious person. When Jesus hit that woman that was bent down for 18 years in Luke chapter number 13 
And the Pharisees were writing all sorts of rubbish on Instagram. Jesus said, I may not know who she is, but I know who. This daughter of Abraham. Who is in your life that God will look at and say, no, this cannot happen. This should not happen. I don't want this person to cry. It's not because of you, but because of who is in your life. Who is your father? Who is your Samuel? Who is your mentor? You did not read about my father. When Pastor E. Adeboye left redemption camp and went to Canaan land and got there before 6 a.m. to go and pray for him. He will have lost him. And Mama, Nathan and I were there. And they were telling us, we will have lost them. Can you imagine what would have happened if Papa Udipo had died? An ignoble death. Christianity will have been affected. But for somewhere. Too many people are dying financially. Dying in their marriages. Dying. Are we worshipping man? No. We worship God but we honor men. It is in decency not to be under a covering. It is in decency, spiritual indecency, where you are not accountable. You can do anything. Don't marry a man that has no pastor. The day you will cry in the palace, there will be nobody to help you. Life is not made to be lived independently. You are a lot to yourself. You don't last. And the Samuel is in your life. That is your brake system. If there is no brake in a car, it is accident prone. I followed mommy and you did, oh, that's, that's the woman I honor most in my life. If I do something and you say you want to report to her, I'm already peeing. Who do you fear? I followed her close to 30 years. I see no fault in her. You see what you are looking for. I see no fault in her. So me, she's an angel. That's my mother. That's my mentor. That's my female mentor. doesn't matter whether it's convenient or not. That's my somewhere. Who is yours? I can speak on that for one hour. There are ten major things you should do for your pastor if you're going to succeed in life. But I don't have the time. Some of you, you eat all to yourself. They are using your pastor and your church as two pick on Instagram. You two, you are commenting. And you want to sign millions. One day somebody was going to be rude on the plane to mommy, mommy Dahosa. And I was on that flight. Air France. I was going to... I said to the woman, what did you... Jo-? You will forget I'm a believer. I will first show you. <laughs> you touch my mother when I'm not a bastard. They're using your pastor as to speak you to you are smiling. You say, I didn't contribute. You are an Absalom. <laughs> Absalom. In politics, it is selection, not election. In case you don't know, they know who will be the next president now. Nigeria, it's it's true. It is a matter of who is in your camp and in whose camp you are. Show me your camp and I can predict what will happen to you. Because you smell like the company you keep. Your camp is is the prophecy of your future. Life is a fight. It's either you are fighting or someone is fighting on your behalf. Who is fighting on your behalf? There are people I pray for every day on my face. Every day. 
There are people I have set alarms to be praying for. I told one as I was driving into church tonight, I said, leave that matter. It's between me and God. You just go and relax. Carry pillows, lie down. God told me that I have credit with him. For my sake, it cannot happen to you. For my sake. I'm still on number one, no? The second person I saw in David's life, show me a man that was greatly graced, like David in the Bible. It was so serious that even the Lord Jesus had to come from his lineage. At a point, Jesus was being referred to as the son of David. What? Show me grace. If not that one. Jesus, the son of David, have mercy on me. What? An adulterer? The impartial partiality of God. That definition of grace. May that grace be married to you tonight. Let's look at the second person in David's life. Jonathan. <laughs> David was mighty. David was saying, these are the expressions. You see, mercy, help, grace is just the expression of God's unusual kindness in your direction. Look at Jonathan in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself, 1 Samuel 18 verse 4, of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garment, even to his sword and to his bow and to his gadu. Wow! So what will he use? True friends. Everybody needs a Jonathan. Not only a Samuel, but a Jonathan. A God-sent person. Somebody looked at my husband and me recently and said, the reason why I'm leaving is because of you. I can't explain to you what that person has done for us. I cannot explain. I will be crying. I have seen you as my life assignment. If you are comfortable, I'm fine. We all need a Jonathan. There are places your hand may never be able to get to, if not for a Jonathan. Was it not Jonathan that covered David up that day, that night, you remember? When he took permission, when Saul was going to kill him. Was it not Jonathan that fought and said, why do you want to kill him? That is the problem Vashti had. Nobody spoke on her behalf in the palace. It wasn't Vashti's husband that demoted her. No, it was Anwaye. The Memokans of life. Read it. In Esther chapter 1. He said, excuse me king. Uh-uh. You, you can't leave this unpunished though. They amplified her mistake. I've been married almost 34 years. Had there not been times, married women that are here, that your husband would say, darling, please come. When has that become a crime? The man will come and meet you. When has that become a crime? Are you yes in me? Evil people. They amplified it and amplified it. Excuse me, sir. It was from that scripture, that Esther chapter 1, that I knew that there are two kinds of husbands. Oh. Small husbands and great husbands. Because the man said, if you don't punish her, men will, women will no longer honor their husband, both great and small. So there are small husbands. Husbands that prefer their families to their wives are small husbands. 
husbands that will buy a new car and give the old rickety one to their wife. The woman will be binding and losing every money. Jesus said, small husband. Husbands that lift their hands to beat their wives. Small husbands. Husbands that do not take care of their wives. Husbands that sleep with anything in skirts. Husbands that adjust their mirror when their wife is even there just to look at it. something that passed. I said something that passed. Small husbands. So let's, let's, let's leave that for another day or another session. Thank you, daughter. God bless you. Let's leave the small husband and the big husband and the great husband. Memokan! By the time the man was finished, the king said, I need another wife. If somebody had stood up that day to say, Excuse me, O king. It was a mistake of the head, not of the heart. This woman has been kind. And just of it as an authority, you better be kind to people because you will need them one day. Do you, does it mean that there was nobody vastly helped? That could say, ah, oh, that woman, she's kind. It's just that maybe she was not in a good mood. You better be good to people. Mardikai, you better <laughs> treat your esters very well. Because you don't know God's plan for their lives. Don't use your position to oppress people. Hmm. Better be careful. My life is, is, is a story on its own that I can't go into tonight. It's a story. My life is a lesson to me, a life lesson to me to treat people well. Nobody spoke for her in the palace. That was one of the reasons why I prayed that prayer for you. That you begin to matter in quarters that matter. That God will raise voices for you that will speak for you in places that matter. My dear, this matter is not about I know how to do mathematics. I know how to write exam. Ah, Jimaz, ah, Masheton is the need. It's a matter of who speaks on your behalf. That's it. That's life. It's a matter of who is speaking on your behalf. I've seen my signature do wonders. I've seen my husband just one call. Ah, but they, darling, they said they won't take it back. We talk I just called. Talk hey! May God raise voices for you in the palace. One of the great embassies in the world and here in Nigeria made me one of the whatever. They had, they have a committee and they put me there. The first time I went for that meeting, I saw where we used to collect visa. So I hear call to one, no be. So there's another word here. Hey, Jesus. While we're speaking, the whatever, to like general, whatever, whatever they call them, said, we sent out whatever to people to give us one woman in this country who can be on this team. And your name kept coming up. I'm quoting, your name kept coming up. Did I even know? Maybe I was even eating suya that day. You think it's every day we are spiritual? Maybe Mary was gossiping the day the angel came. Which woman doesn't gossip? You know what I mean? You know that my life is crazy. It may not be bad gossip. Maybe she was not even praying, and the angel knocked. What you have been looking for, we look for you. fasting that week and they said my name was just coming up coming up coming up coming up 
And today, I'm telling you, it's a big one. Who is speaking for you in the palace? Even if I stop the message now, you have enough prayer point for this year. That Baba will raise voices to speak for you in the palace. Was it not the, the, the founder of Redeem that spoke for, for Baba Adeboye? Who would have chosen Baba Adeboye? He was a young convert and interpreted the church. They had hierarchy. But Baba Kidayomi spoke. And see what is inside that spoke. See it all. What Baba Adeboye can never finish from if he comes in now. I will prostrate. This microphone, I will prostrate to give him. I will lie on the floor, touch his feet to give him the microphone. Just because somebody spoke on his behalf. I raise my hand to God tonight. May Jehovah raise people that will speak for you in the palace. Political palaces. Ministerial palaces. Career palaces. Financial palaces. I'm in number two. Sit down. Great grace. That's the definition. Great grace. Jonathan. The third one, but I want to try at least do half. The third one is Michael, Saul's daughter. <laughs> you know, the Lord told me last year to study the lives of negative women in the Bible. And people, women that did not finish well. So I started a study. The first person I studied was Jezebel. And I found 10 lessons from her life. Amazing. Explosive. Many times you read about people and all you do is condemn them. And that Delilah. I will not be a Delilah. Even Delilah. There are things I love in her. How can the most anointed man on earth pillow his head on a woman's head? That woman must know what I don't know. <laughs> what the entire Philistine army couldn't get, Delilah got it. There are things you need to do to your husband. Sometimes when I wake up, I'm singing for my husband. I will love you forever. Allah worry me. Allah love me. Mother is waking up. Good morning, darling. Ask what you want up to half of the kingdom. I still did it for him yesterday morning. Ask what you want. There's one fifteen thousand dollars. I will top it up. It'll be twenty thousand. My phone Hey, mommy. All this talking to your husband as if it's nothing. Look at your husband, you see. <laughs> if not that I waited. <laughs> if not that I was 27. Hey, me to you, you to never pull. <laughs> when Reverend Shola told husband to come out in church, you to you came out. I'm just thinking that they should start a fellowship for widows, so because I know I will be ah. Uh, 
your husband. And same thing for wives. There are wives that wish their husbands dead. Because the man has given her too much pain. Look at my car before you start condemning her. If not for that woman, I preached a message in Kano some time ago. And the title of the message is, or was, it is a window matter. It was window that she used to save David. It was window that she used to erase her own destiny. Window. There's a time for everything. It was that window she used to let. So God gave her the window ministry. Yes. It was a gift. That woman knew how to use window. Can you imagine how she let down a whole man through the window? And the man was on horse and the man escaped. So that same window she started by. And I gave reasons why she did that. When she was talking against David. There were reasons. She hadn't dealt with bitterness. Because she was there for David. When David was nothing. After David became the king, he, Baba Yankon married. He was just marrying and marrying and marrying. And she did not have a child to give her comfort. She hadn't dealt with bitterness. So she stood there. She was just looking at him. Even in her heart, she was cursing David. Remembering. You know, it was that window too. She was remembering that day when there was nothing. And now, David, you have forgotten me. So she spoke out of pain. In First Samuel chapter 19, you see the story there from verse number 13. My car, there are husbands today that will have gone further, faster than where they are, if not that they missed it in marriage. There are wives today that will have been better women on earth, if not that they didn't marry the right man. You need to pray for your children almost every day. Because no matter what you put inside a child, Marriage determines everything. If you don't want it to be erased, pray. Each time I knew I was pregnant, prayer started for my children. The four of them are happily, truly married now. Truly, happily married. I'm grateful to the Lord. I'm so grateful to the Lord, the God that answers prayers. Pray for your children. In the area of marriage. There are people that you marry and every good thing in you is cancelled. They just cancelled. They just cancelled everything. They are, they, are, they are. Some of them are Christians though. But their work with God is nothing. Forgive all this my speaking in tongues. You know I'm a Yoruba again. I'm trying to do some transliteration. We should speak that Yoruba language in heaven. I'm telling you. <laughs> May your marriage bless you and not hurt you. I'm looking at the expression of God's grace. Great grace in David's life. My car was one of them. Please, close one eye in prayer. Open the other one in watching before you marry. Don't marry a brother because his hallelujah is the loudest in church. It doesn't work that way. Thirteen brothers proposed to me as a single Christian lady. My husband was the fourteenth man to propose marriage to me. Fourteenth. The devil almost confused me. I'm glad I didn't miss him. And he didn't look like it. But I'm so grateful. Where will I have been today? Only very correct men can marry strong women like me. If you are married to a woman that is anointed or that is, that is wealthy or that is influential, it takes security. 
small men in at heart can't marry them. So, the two of them will frustrate. You can't do what God has called you to do because the man is not secure. Any little thing. Is it because he... Is it because... Before you know it, the woman is frustrated. Be careful who you marry. It may even determine if you will make heaven. Because in marriage, once you get married, you move from patience to endurance. From endurance to long-suffering. <laughs> marriage. There is no institution where your Christianity is tried. Like the institution of marriage. None. Where you need forgiveness. Like the institution of marriage. Because it is people that love most that hurt most. Mary had, beg your pardon, David had issues in his marriage. He really did. He had issues with his children. Because the man that mentored him also had issues. Samuel. The man that laid hands on him. Be careful who lays hands on you, particularly on your wedding day. In our church, you will never hear us. Join a couple and say, I'm going to take you as my wedded husband for better, for worse. No, our life is based on Proverbs 4.18. There's no for better, for worse. It is for better and best. And words, scientists have discovered that words do not die now. Any word you speak bounces around you. So you, don't, you can't hear in sickness, in poverty, not in our ministry. I take you as my wedded husband in blessing, in prosperity, in progress, in favor, and together we stand against poverty, against sickness, against ill health. That's how we join. That's how we do it. So our path becomes prosperous. Because look at my feet. My feet are not looking backwards. They are forward. <laughs> so don't tell me that in for better, for worse. You are putting my life in river. Mm-hmm. No. It's forward. For, there will be challenges. Yes. But we keep going. We keep going. We keep prospering. My car. David's marriage at that point was a help, an expression of God's grace. Let me mention two more. You should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to speak about this Abimelech, the priest. In 1 Samuel chapter 21 from verse 6, David was fleeing from Saul. Saul had become the ex-anointed. Please beware of the following three people. Beware of expired mentors. Beware of jealous colleagues. Beware of parasitic protégés. These three people, beware of them. Saul had become an expired mentor. Packed vehicle. Beware of expired mentors. Beware of jealous colleagues. Be careful how you share your dream. You don't need to go to the pit or Potiphar's house before you get to to the palace. That was for Joseph. You don't have to go through that. Be careful who you share your dream with. And beware of parasitic protégés, name droppers. Beware of them. A fool utters all that is in his mind. Beware. Abimelech the priest. David was fleeing from Saul and then he got to Abimelech the priest. And in that first Samuel chapter 21 from verse 6, David said, do you have bread here? The man said, yes, hallowed bread. Give him. Do you have a sword? David said, the man said, yes. The one, the sword of Goliath, the one you killed, is here. Now hear this. It is what you keep 
in the house of God. Now you will take the day you are running from soon. What is speaking for you on the altar of God? That day there was a battle and David couldn't even have access to any sword. Thank God he didn't take the sword of Goliath to his house. Thank God he put it in the house of God where Abimelech was in charge. That was what the man gave him. I pity people that go late to church. I pity people that are in a ministry and for one year you don't belong to any department. I got born again. This year it will be 40 years that I got born again. I still go to church to sweep. Because I am first a Christian before I am anything. First a Christian. I don't joke with my tax. I don't joke with my offering. And every year I increase my offering. This year I have doubled it. Last year I gave 55,000. This year I doubled it. That's how I live my life with God. I don't joke with it. Because the battle now is altar versus altar. There are people wishing you, there is what you call ill will and good will. There are people wishing you will go to bed and not wake up. It is the altar that we speak. That's why you will always find Abraham raising an altar. Jacob raising an altar. And he raised an altar. What is on the altar on your behalf? My junior sister, she lived with me for 11 years and then she got married. She didn't have a child. One day I was praying, Father, uh, uh, how come that my own sister will not have a child? Hear what God said to me. The Lord told me that the angels had been instructed to always bring my sister's babies to a choir rehearsal on Thursdays. My sister left the choir because she was waiting. She was downcast and depressed. So she would see. She left her assignment. So when you meet on Thursday or Wednesday or Tuesday or Saturday, don't think it's just a joke. The angels will come and my sister will not be there. So somebody's family planning will just face. Because the calling and the gifts of God are without repentance. You cannot take the baby to heaven. After the Lord spoke to me, I ran to her and said, Did you hear what God just said? You left the choir. She went back. Two weeks after, she got pregnant. Two weeks. You are in charge of all these microphones. They must not be dirty. You are in charge of the keyboard. If it is dirty, use your tie to clean it. You just make up. Because you don't know when the angels will be visiting. That's why no baby, no child should run here and be beating drums. They are not just equipment. They are instruments of worship to the ancient one. When were you born? You want your baby to have a future. Don't allow your baby to be running here and be beating And nobody can, can accuse the child. Your child will come to church. You will eat biscuits and scatter it. And you are telling me your prayers are not hard. Nobody's in the front by mistake. You, you drink pure water. You drop it. You chew gum. You put it on the... And heaven is marking it. You are wondering why you are not prosperous. There is no man of God that they have not brought here. Your, your head has been repelling prayer. It's because of this. We pray, we fast before we go to preach. We labor in the world before we come to preach. If you want this preaching to, to be married to you, we carry grace. But look at this. You are walking, you notice a piece of paper in your father's house. You just pretend. So blessings to pretend. What does it cost you to come down and pick it? I go to church or sweep. 
I cleaned the chairs as bishop's wife, pastoring 5,000 people. And because I travel a lot, you know what I did recently? I employed somebody Saturday morning, later 7 a.m. He's in church cleaning. And I'm telling God, Father, I'm the one cleaning. I'm in Australia now, but I'm the one cleaning. Because I pay him. And when I'm home, you see me with my... No usher, no sanctuary keeper can take my broom for me. They know me. Bishop's wife, you carry broom. I'm just purpose to look at you. How may I help you? Go and get your broom. Was it not broom phone I was holding before Jesus gave me microphone? So how come that I will now drop the broom phone? Because they just ordained you. You are looking for who to carry your bag, carry your bonbon, carry your biro. <laughs> we, are, we are now, <laughs> let's see that we are now the dickiness. I pity your future. What have you kept on the altar? What is the offering? Some of you, when you even want to give offering, you squeeze it. It is better to be cursed than to be unblessed. You squeeze your offering and you give it to God. God has promoted you and promoted you. The 200 naira you've been giving since your grandmother went to her husband's house, that's it, the same 100 naira you have been giving. And you want to prosper like I do? You have three phones. You have two phones. Your church account is not on your phone. You cannot, the Holy Ghost cannot trust you to wake you up and say, drop something. Be binding the devil. And God says, it's me you are binding. As you laugh tonight, get spiritual sense. Goliath's sword, don't take it home. Put it on the altar. Trust God with your talent, with your skill, with your ability. Some of you are lawyers. I told my husband four years ago, darling, even though you are my husband, but from now on, I just left the place of worship where I spent hours before the Lord and I caught covenant up to the whatever generation. And I said to my husband, from now on, there are prayers you will no longer pray in this church. God will ask you, has Funke left your church? Is she not a member? When you are asking God for three million and I'm alive and I'm a member of your church, sir, it won't happen. I'm his wife. What is speaking on your behalf? When trouble comes, what is speaking? There are forces working in my life from mother-in-law's prayers, from my father's prayer, from my spiritual father, my parents in the Lord that I have put on lifetime salary. There's nothing that can change it. Some of you say, I don't know, how can I give pastor 2,000? That's how we start. 200 naira says. One boy used to give me 200 naira. One day, I messed him up. I don't want to tell you how much I gave him. He fainted and rose up. <laughs> and I said to him, I just told him, don't like to join me. It's the 200 naira airtime you've been sending to my phone. It is harvest time. Your pastor... For one month, you won't drop anything in the offering bucket for your pastor and, and label it for my pastor. Thank you, sir, for pastoring me well. Not even 1,000 naira. And you are sweating. How can your sweat be sweet? How? You see a servant of God on the plane, you just pretend like that. Bless you, sir. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. It's bless you. We want to eat. That's so stingy. Even from God, you collect change. And you want to pay your tithe. 34 point. You collect change from the Almighty God. And some of us have left the realm of 10%. We are children of God, but we are not serving God equally. So don't envy me. 
and don't criticize me. That's why God responds. Because he knows, he said that day is coming in Malachi that I will separate between those that serve God and those that do not serve him. Yes. <laughs> what is in, in the church that Abimelech can take the day Saul is pursuing you? And all of us have our soul. They all may be at work. They all may be in your in-laws place. We all have souls. People that are envious of your next level. They are there. Going to Babalawo. Raising all stars on your behalf. Against you. Some of them are laughing with you, but they are finishing you. This is what speaks. When you are dozing. What is on the altar? What is speaking on the altar for you? Today is February 13. What have you done for the kingdom this year? Let me mention one more. Do you still like me in this church? I want to mention this one. Thank you. Abishai. I've, I've skipped some. There are ten that I noticed in David's life. Abishai. And that's the last one I'm speaking on. Second Samuel chapter 21. I want to read that scripture from verse 15. 2 Samuel 21 from verse 15. Moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. And Ishbi Benob, beg your pardon, yes. Ishbi Benob, which was of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass in weight. He been guarded with the new sword, thought to have slain David. But Abishai. But Abishai. But Abishai. The son of Zeriah succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, Thou shalt go no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Abishai. We all need a minimum of an Abishai in our lives. We all need Somebody to live. Whether you like it or not. David was a giant killer. But there was this giant that he couldn't kill. All of us. No matter how mighty. You think I don't have prayer points. I've told God I don't want a life where, in which I will not have a prayer point. I want my life to be totally dependent on the Lord. I want to wake up and say, Father, if you don't do this thing. Father, I give you thanks, but look at it. may not be for me, but something that touches me. There are giants we can't kill. No matter how mighty we are. God told me four years ago to gather women together because he told me some women, many women have lost their dances. And he said he wanted to restore their dignity. And he showed me TBS. That meeting cost me about 32 million every year. If there will have been a giant I cannot kill. If God didn't raise people. And some of you are giant killers. You are Aaron's and us. That will tell your Moses, sit down, be comfortable. That will tell your, your own <laughs> David, don't go to battle again. We will go and risk our lives. We will fight and we'll come back. Don't quench because you are better than 10,000 of us. We live in a world, particularly among Christians, where everybody wants to be founder and president. Better succeed at being number 15 than fail at being number one. Where are the Abishais? 
one little rebuke and discipline, you are going to start original Jesus' coming ministries. Just because they, they chastise you. So Ephraim is just an idol, let him alone. The last time they corrected you during choir rehearsal, for two weeks you didn't greet us. So that's why we leave you to yourself. Yes, it's fine. It's fine. So everybody tiptoes around you because you are a law to yourself. We are the Abishais that won't let their David die. Can you imagine if David had died that day? Oh no. With all the exploits. And some of you, the Lord is calling you and raising you up to be Abishais. So that the day you two become a David and it's begun up, rises up. That is what we speak for you. People that will say, I'll be praying from now on for my pastor, for my pastor's wife. I never knew I would be a pastor's wife. I hated public life. This is the altar of God. I cannot lie. When my husband told me that God called him, I told him we can no longer be married. Just go and be. For three months, he was in Akura, I was in Ibado. Pastor! And some people today, even if God doesn't call them or call their husband, they're helping God to flash the husband. They just flash. God, call us. <laughs> call us, oh God. Please. Call us. Hello, God. Call my husband. They don't go to battle again. You are better than 10,000. Those are the hearts God looks for. And I close on this note. Some of you here tonight, the reason, run your fingers on the keyboard. God bless you. The reason why God brought you to this ministry is so that you can be a kingdom asset. Say, Father, my treasure is for the kingdom. Some of you, you are intercessors. Did you hear what Billy Graham said? He said, there are six of us that bear that name. Myself and five elderly women, they are in the basement praying for me. Some of you are intercessors, but your fire is out. You want to be seen. You want to be an usher. And God is calling you to be on your knees. I lead a team of about 12 people that pray for my husband. Sometimes they don't even pray for me, my husband. Many years ago, when the Lord called my husband into ministry and eventually I agreed, I made a vow to the Lord that I would so much stand by Felix Adejumo. If he fails, God holds me responsible. We are the selfless Abishai's. Did you see the way Ishbibenob was described? He could have finished Abishai. He risked his life. We are the men of David. We are the men that say, no, this ministry must not go down. Great grace must be multiplied. That's one thing. That's one thing about God. That's one thing about God. Look at, look at me. Give me your hand, my brother. Look at me. Where am I going? Where am I going? But I didn't plan to go. What am I doing? I'm lifting him. But look at me. Where am I going? Even when I don't want to go down. See? That's it. That's life. When you lift up, you go up. But when you say, let's pull it down. By your action, by your attitude, by your tongue, anything. You also go down. Let's carry this thing. Let's make sure it goes up. This is the word God laid on my heart for you today. I see your heads wearing new crowns. 
I see multi-millionaires here. I see kingdom assets here. People that in a matter of five years, ten years, hey, this nation will stand still for you. In the name of Jesus. I want you to just raise your hands up and give thanks to the Lord and then recommit yourself to the Lord. Father, I give you my allegiance from tonight as to give me grace. Help me, Lord. And some of you, you need Abishai's in your life. You need Jonathan's in your life. You need Samuel's. I come against every yoke that hinders grace from flowing into your destinies in the name of Jesus. From tonight, Jehovah will simplify your life. He will raise help for you. He will raise voices for you in the palace. As the Lord God of Israel live, this will be your best year ever. Jehovah will send you divine encouragement. For no reason, people will just like you. For no justifiable reason, people will just bless you. As this ministry rises, you too, you will rise. Whatever you are trusting the Lord for, I have come to announce to you as a prophet, it is already looking for you. From the north to the south, the east and the west, people are already planning how to help you. The book of remembrance is being opened in the name of Jesus. And your life will not be terminated suddenly. Thank you for listening to this message from our annual conference themed Great Grace. We believe you have been blessed. Worship with us at David's Court, number 25 Mojidi Street, off Towing Street, Ikeja, Lagos. On Sundays, our first service starts by 8 a.m. and our second service by 10 a.m., while our midweek service starts by 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. Go and do great things. God bless you.